so excited to talk with our guest today, Jonathan Ledger, Emory and Henry class of 2004. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, you know, the whole purpose of this little radio show is to talk to alumni and hear about where they are and what they're doing. And you have got the coolest job, and I want to tell everybody about it, because you are the director for the Texas Boys Choir. That is right. I'm in my second year as the artistic director of the Texas Boys Choir. Um, this is it's a really interesting ensemble. It's it's a group that's won two Grammy Awards uh, back in the 60s. Uh, there aren't a lot of a lot of boys choirs uh, throughout the world, especially throughout the country. So it was a really interesting opportunity. Uh, and I'm so glad that I sort of stumbled into it uh, in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, it's it's really interesting. I direct uh, five different choirs. Uh, my youngest choir is third and fourth graders. That's my training choir. That's an auditioned ensemble. And then I also direct uh, our premier touring ensemble, which is TBC Tour Choir. It's a mixed SAT, SATB ensemble uh, consisting of boys in grades five through 12. Uh, and then this year I added an advanced uh, tenor bass ensemble uh, of students in grades seven through 12. Uh, and then the trebles in the two require the Sopranos and Altos, they meet by themselves separately. Uh, so that's the fourth choir. And then I have a fifth choir that's a non-auditioned ensemble that just anybody can jump into for uh, boys in grades seven through 12. Holy guacamole, you covered a lot. I got to go back and ask you about it. Okay. <laughs> So first of all, you threw out a whole bunch of letters that I didn't understand. SAT. Mm -hmm. I think. And what, what, what are all those, what do those letters mean? SATB means soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. So the choir is, is basically like most mixed college choirs. Uh, the younger boys sing the soprano and alto parts, and then the older boys sing the tenor and bass parts. Well, how many kids are we talking about here? Uh, in the whole program, about, about 55 boys in total. Man. So Let's let's back up and talk about the history of this choir because it's mm -hmm. an old it's an old choir. Tell us who I, look. I'm going to show you that I read a little something. <laughs> Tell me who George Washington Bragg was, and let's talk about the how the boys choir got started. Yes, George Bragg uh, founded the choir. Uh, we're now in our 76th year, and when he founded the choir, it was actually uh, originally the Denton Civics Boy Choir, D Denton Civic Boys Choir, Is and it was originally at the town in Texas. Yes, it's up. It's just north of the DFW area. That's actually where the University of North Texas is located. So the choir originally was up there. Uh, but then several years later, he decided there would be more opportunities and he could attract more boys to the program if they moved it down to Fort Worth and then changed the name to the Texas Boys Choir. And out of the Texas Boys Choir grew the Texas Boys Choir School. So it was originally, at one point, it was a school where the boys lived there, they ate there, they did everything there, they could take their studies on the road with them when they were touring. And then that school eventually developed into the Fort Worth Academy of Fine Arts. Uh, which is a public charter school for the fine arts in Fort Worth. And that's where uh, the boys choir is uh, located today. Is it unusual for there to be a choir with this length of history? I mean, what, what year did you say it was started? 1946. 
I mean, that's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah, we're in we're in year seventy six, so it's it's quite a remarkable history, and it is it is it is sort of unusual for a choir like this to have existed for that long. Yes. Yeah. Well, and what was his original intention, and maybe that's still your mission? Um, is it just so that boys have a chance to sing, or is there more to it? Well, it's it's a, it's really a little bit broader than that. The our the focus has always been, and our focus is still today, that we want to provide any boy, regardless of socioeconomic background or or ethnic background, the ability to make world class vocal music. And so that that's still our mission today. So um, it's open to anyone. All you have to do is is audition. Wow! So you have to audition at for you said you had five different choirs. Mm-hmm. And you have to audition for each of those? You do. And first, yes. Well, first you have to audition to for acceptance and admission to the Fort Worth Academy of Fine Arts, uh, which we call FWAFA. That's our acronym. So you have to that first is awful, but it's just awful. <laughs> uh, so you first have to uh, audition to get into FWAFA, and then you audition for uh, your choral placement into one of these ensembles. Yeah. Okay. Is there a falafel stand at Fwafa? Because there should be. We'll have to pass that on okay. to the right people. So we yeah. Get one. Well, <laughs> you can take you can take credit because I know they'll just jump right all over that. <laughs> so, so you've got about fifty-five kids in here, and do they? Mm -hmm. where, where do they sing? Where do they perform? Uh, well. This uh, last year, uh, in the you know at the height of the pandemic, we yeah. all of our performances were virtual. Uh, they hadn't sung in public in about almost two years. Uh, this year we started going back to uh, performing in person. And so mostly this year we have performed throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Metroplex. Uh, we just finished a very, very heavy uh, Christmas concert season, uh, the three weeks um, after Thanksgiving. Uh, we did multiple concerts in Dallas. We sang for the Dallas Women's Club. Uh, we sang at the Arboretum in Dallas. Uh, we had a full concert here in Fort Worth. Uh, we, we sing at the mall. We sing for weddings. We sing for community and civic events. Uh, yes, this summer we're supposed to travel to South Korea to compete in the World Choir Games uh, There's in a July. Choir game? What, what yeah, is that? It's basically like the Olympics, uh, except for choirs. It's held every two years in different countries around the world. Uh, the last one was supposed to be held in Belgium, uh, and the boys were going to go and compete in that right before I was hired, but it was canceled due to the pandemic. Uh, and so we're going to try to go again to the next one that's happening in Korea. We'll see if that actually happens or not. <laughs> oh, we, were, we were just having that lamentation at the books at the at the post office just now about how hard it is to plan for anything because right just when you think you're out of the woods yeah well let's talk about the fact that you took this job during a pandemic i mean when, I, <laughs> what, when you first went down there i guess singing was high on the list of things you weren't supposed to do right that's right and actually uh, i all of my i interviewed there were about six different interviews for this position and they all took place on zoom i had never met anyone that worked here in person so it was it was sort of a huge leap of faith to take this job but um, it's, it was a great opportunity. And even though, you know, we were in the pandemic, I thought, okay, well, let's just jump into it and see what happens. But yes, when I got here, uh, you know, singing was still considered to be one of the main ways to be a super spreader of right. COVID. And so we fought the ACDA, the American Choral Directors Association, they commissioned this study, uh, to see exactly how 
how singing was spreading the virus and what the limitations were. And so based on all of this research that the American Choral Directors Association did, we they, they released this set of guidelines for how you could sing safely. And so that's what we did last year. Uh, they The guidelines said that you can sing for 30 minutes at a time, but everyone has to be masked. Everyone has to be, you know, six feet apart or as close to that as you can get. And then the the HVAC unit has to run through one complete cycle before another group can sing in the same space. So that's what, that's what we did. We were singing for 30 minutes at a time. And then, you know, we would do music theory and community building activities after that. Uh, so yeah, that, that last year, that was, that was a tough year. <laughs> Man, did you have to, well, all right. Well, first of all, did you have to wear this what I call sort of like duck masks because the the singing mask that I that I, I saw a lot of people using that kind of gave you a little extra space in front. You know, we did not use those. We just we let the students wear you know whatever mask they brought to school with them. I I have not used one of the singers' masks. I've not heard great things. All of the singers that I have talked to that have used them say they don't really like them because of that space. It just like bounces the sound right back yeah. into your face, and you can only hear yourself basically. So we we have not used those I, I would be interested to try one out for myself though uh, yeah. just out of curiosity yeah yeah well gosh okay so so you did all these new things to to, to deal with covid and i'm thinking how how much of that was already in your bag of tricks did you have to learn a whole lot of like new tricks and tips and teaching methods when you came into this covid world of being a conductor <sighs> You know, fortunately, I I have a really strong background in music theory. I taught theory at my last job at Ozarks, um, uh, and so that I that was pretty easy to jump in and fill the extra time that we couldn't sing with with music theory and that sort of thing. But you know, you would be looking at your watch and being like, okay, these boys cannot talk about triads, you know, for five more minutes. So what am I going to do now? So you pull some sort of community building bonding activity out of your back pocket and say, okay, we're going to switch gears and do this now. So I wouldn't say that I had to, I had to learn new things, but it was challenging to, to fill the time and keep their interest the whole time because we, we have a hundred minute blocks. And so to only be able oh, to sing gosh. 30 minutes of that block, that oh. was, that was very tricky. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I bet so. Well, just to remind everybody, we're speaking today with Jonathan Ledger, Emory and Henry class of 2004. He's the artistic director for the Texas Boys Choir in Fort Worth. And let's talk a little bit about what you did before you went to Fort Worth, because you, you've been out west for some time now. That is, that is correct. I never, ever dreamed I would live west of the Mississippi River. Uh, and I seem to just keep moving further west. Uh, but before my time in Fort Worth, I taught for four years as an assistant professor of music and the choir director at University of the Ozarks. Uh, it's a small private liberal arts school, a lot like Emory & Henry, uh, affiliated with the Presbyterian Church USA. Uh, whereas Emory is affiliated with United Methodist Church. Uh, so I taught there for four years in very rural Arkansas, right off of, of I-40. So that's wow. where I was prior to, to Texas. So now, okay, now that you're an Arkansas dude and you're a Texas dude, um, do you have opinions about which of these places you like the best? <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely. I like Fort Worth so much better. It's it's a great size city. It's not nearly as big or as congested as Dallas, but at the same time, you know, anything you want is here. And I live just west of Fort Worth uh, in Alito in the next county, but, you know, I can be downtown Fort Worth in 15 minutes. I can be to work in 15 minutes, but I feel sort of like I'm out in the country. So it's oh, it's nice. really the best. It's the best of both worlds. Yeah. Well, I was just saying that I, I I did not remember that you grew up in Pennington Gap. Uh-huh. And so you are a long way from home. I am indeed a long, long way from home. I haven't been I haven't been back to Pennington Gap in oh gosh, I couldn't even tell you. Uh my parents retired to Maryville, Tennessee, so that's where they live now. So whenever I go home to visit family, I'm actually going to to Tennessee instead of uh, to Lee County where I grew up. So oh, okay. Kind of well, strange. I'll, I'll go to Lee County and give you a report. How about that? Okay. <laughs> Probably not a whole lot to report on, but. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure there's something. You know, there's always, you know, it's always a surprise. There's a new walking trail over there. Oh, well, there you go. There you, there go. you go. So there you go. There, there's always something. Well, <laughs> let's talk about what you did at Emory and Henry to kind of prepare you for this. What was your major at Emory & Henry? So I actually started out as a biology major uh, at Emory & Henry, but because uh, the way Emory & Henry structured, you know, being a small private liberal arts school, I was able to be very actively involved in the music program. I sang in the concert choir, you know, the whole time I was there. And because of that, a lot of my friends were music majors. And so I was a junior uh, at Emory & Henry, you know, in my biology major. And it was the semester when most of my friends had to take conducting. Uh, and they said, hey, you know, you were a drum major in high school. Why don't you take conducting with us? And I was a little bit ahead in coursework and I did need an elective to fill out my schedule. So I said, okay, sure. Why not? That'll be fun. And so I did and very quickly rediscovered my my love of, of conducting. And I thought, ooh, this, this is this is more interesting than, you know, studying for the MCAT. Uh, and so, <laughs> and so at the end, that was a spring, that was the spring semester of my junior year. And so uh, the choir director at that time was Mark Davis. And I asked him, I said, in the fall, would you be willing to give me an independent study? I would like to, you know, keep studying, conducting and working on my skills. And he said, Oh, sure. I would love that. And so he gave me an independent study in the fall. And, and again, I found myself practicing my conducting more than I was studying for the MCAT. And he gave me a piece to conduct on our spring tour that year. And, and I went in one day and in the fall and I said, so I have a question and I want you to be really, really honest with me. I said, I think I really want to do what you do. I want to conduct choirs at this level, you know, at the college level. And I said, do you think I can do that? And he said, well, I definitely think you have some natural talent, some natural ability. And he said, you definitely have a great work, a great work ethic. So if that's something you want to do, then I think you can and should do that. So that moment in the Calliopean room in Byers Hall, that that totally changed the direction of my life. And so I decided that day, OK, that's what I'm going to do. But I was a senior at this point, so it was too late to change majors. I was going to say, so at that point, what do you yeah. do? Yeah. 
so I finished the biology degree and fortunately the biology faculty, they were, they were very understanding, you know, they weren't bitter at all that I didn't want to go to med school or pursue science any further. And the music faculty, they were also great. They were very welcoming and accepting. So I finished the biology degree and then stayed two more years, finished a music degree, uh, and then went on to graduate school after that. So wow. I, I have, I really have where I am today. Uh, I have Emory Henry to thank for that because had it not been for for the opportunities that 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 Emory Henry provided for me, I would not be where I am today. So that's that you know that every one of these conversations, it's like a an unintended mm -hmm. plug for liberal arts because mm -hmm. you just have a chance to explore so many sides of your. That's interest. right. Yeah. Well, and 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 another great thing, you know, is the school size. That was one thing that really attracted me to Emory Henry. I didn't want to go to some, you know, huge public university where I would only be the last four numbers of my social to professors. You know, I wanted to get to know them. I wanted them to be able to get to know me. And I wanted I wanted to get to know my professors in a way that they they would have an interest in me, not only as a student, but as a human being. And, you know, that that's certainly the case at Emory. So absolutely. Wow. Well, I love that. I'm curious, what was the piece of music that you got to conduct that year on tour? I conducted the Renee Clawson setting of My Love is Like a Red, Red Rose. So I, I love will, that piece. I will never forget. That was that was sort of the first choral piece uh, that I conducted uh, in performance. So, yeah. And, and so pretty, such a tearjerker. It is. It is. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece. I, I actually, I did that piece again on my master's recital at Bowling Green State. I loved it so much. So I wanted to do it again. <laughs> That's great. So you got your master's at Bowling Green State. I did. Yep. Uh, I went there right after finishing my music degree at Emory Henry. Had two really good years uh, up in Northwest Ohio, where it's really flat and cold and windy. <laughs> yeah. um, and then after finishing my master's there, I actually moved back home to Virginia, although the other end of the state taught high school for three years up in Northern Virginia, just outside of D.C., uh, Osborne High School in Manassas, Virginia. I forgot and, that. Yeah. yeah. So I was up there for three years and then, but again, the goal was to teach at the college level. So I knew I needed a doctorate to do that. Uh, and so my last year there, I started applying to doctoral programs uh, and was accepted at the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. And so <laughs> moved to Tuscaloosa and spent uh, four years there uh, pursuing my doctor of musical arts and choral conducting. And then after that was when I moved to Arkansas. So... I have to say, hearing you um, sort of rattle out your what you've been doing, it doesn't seem like you've been gone that long. I know it's uh, looking back, you know, it's almost twenty years, but it doesn't it doesn't feel that long. I guess yeah. I guess when you're, when you're busy and and doing what you love, life just goes by very quickly. I yeah, guess. I guess no, I I just think of you as being so young and such a recent grad that as you were rattling mm -hmm. all that off, I was like, I forgot to do the math. It has been more than 10 minutes that he's been out of school. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's hard to believe. So, <laughs> but you, but so how long were you in the, in the, the Ozarks? I was there for four years. I moved there in the summer of 2016 uh, and then moved during the middle of the pandemic uh, from Arkansas to Texas in summer of 2020. Wow. So what's your goal now? You've kind of, I mean, you, my goodness, you've kind of done what you said you're going to do. You've got, you've got <laughs> these great conducting gigs. So what are you hoping uh -huh. for next? 
Uh, you know, there there was a huge difference from last year not being able to perform in public to this year. The boys have really grown so much, and I was so proud of all the performances they did for Christmas. They they sounded phenomenal. So now I'm just I'm really looking to to build the program, to recruit, uh, to get more boys involved in the program, and you know really just improve the sound every year, and and you know hopefully get more and more boys involved in the program. So. Question about that. And this is uh-huh. this may not be something you can necessarily answer. I mean, you may not have an answer, I guess is what uh-huh. I'm saying. But I hear people talking like everybody from choral directors to coaches about how it's sort of a different culture now, what kids like to do, what they want to do. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you continue to attract kids to a choir program? I'm guessing that mm-hmm. you probably have a pretty rigid and strong regimen about your rehearsals and what you got to know and what you got to do. And I'm just thinking, yes. how do we get kids to do that? It's, you know, that that's a great point. And it is a very structured environment. They have to sing a lot. You know, we're back to singing the full 100 minutes of rehearsal. And again, the performance schedule is, is so heavy. It's a huge time commitment. And there's this huge handbook that they have to follow and agree that, our performances, you know, trump anything else that they have to do, uh, wow. whether whether at FWAFA or, you know, their extracurriculars outside of school. So it is a huge commitment and and you do really have to build a lot of skills. And, and it is challenging to sort of find the boys who are willing to, you know, basically make this almost all that they do. You know, they really don't have a whole lot of time to do other things. And so really what we do is we we try to get out and perform in the community as much as we can now that we're able to do that again. And and really we rely we rely on the sound. We rely on this amazing sound that they produce uh, to really draw other boys in. And we also we also like to, you know, use the boys, you know, their personalities to get out and talk to people when we're out performing so that they can make those connections. And, 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 you know, we like for whenever we sing, we like for everyone in the audience to sort of be able to see themselves in the choir, like, Hey, that could be me up there. So those are, those are sort of our two, our two main tricks that we're trying to use right now. You've got to make it fun. at some, I mean, at some level, in addition to just being meaningful, it has to be fun just because, you know, that's just how it is with, Right. That's how it is. It's got to be a little bit of fun. So you must be doing a good job of keeping it interesting for them or they wouldn't keep coming back. Right. Right. We, you know, it's a lot easier to make it fun this year than it was <laughs> last year. Yeah, Isn't that the truth? Absolutely. And it's FWAFA. Uh-huh. Is it also all male? No, it's actually, it's a uh, male, it's co-ed, it's male and female. Uh, and so we, we have a counterpart uh, group in the music department, the Singing Girls of Texas. Uh, that's for the girls, whereas we're for the boys. Uh, and it's not just for music. Uh, there are also dance programs, uh, theater, musical theater, and uh, visual arts at the school. So. Well, neat. And, and what's the reception like when you go out into the community? Are people like, oh gosh, it's the Texas Boys Choir. This is so cool. Yes. The, the group is very, very well known. And so we're uh, we're hired a lot to sing at weddings, to sing at civic events. Uh, so the group, the group, the group has maintained a pretty, pretty steady presence uh, in the community over the seventy-six years it's been in existence. Well, that's kind of amazing in and of itself. I mean, again, for I mean, that's there are a lot of things that you do with young people that you started mm-hmm. seventy-six years ago that just did not last. 
right and that they're right. no longer considered cool and no longer right. considered interesting and so this is amazing that you've come into this this program and that you're uh-huh. continuing this program with such panache and you know people people really remember performances of this group we we had a lady a couple of months ago um she remembered that the boys had sung at her brother's wedding in Oklahoma, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. And she wanted to hire the boys choir to sing at her daughter's wedding next fall in Aspen, Colorado. She's going to fly you guys to Aspen? Well, that, that that's what I said. My, I sort of, my, <laughs> my eyes bugged out like yours did. And I thought, well, that's going to, that's going to be a pretty penny. Um, but so we, you know, we sat down and crunched the numbers and, and said, well, you know, here's what it's going to cost to either bus. We did two different budgets, one where we did a charter bus, one where we flew, uh, and like, I knew there was going to be no way that, that that was going to be financially feasible, uh, you know, unless they're the Vanderbilts or something. And so we sent it and she was like, Oh, oh, I, I don't think we can do that. And we said, we totally understand. So, but we just, we wanted to, we wanted to see it through and show you how much it would cost. So, yeah, I don't think she had considered getting you there. I think she right. was thinking excited about having you there. Uh huh, exactly. Getting you there. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wouldn't that have been fun? What a fun experience for the boys. So it would South have been. It would have so been. South uh-huh. Korea hopefully is on the docket, but are there other smaller, still interesting trips that you've got planned? Or? Well, what, what we're planning to do right now is uh, we're going to make the call mid to late January about whether that is going to be possible. Because right now, South Korea has a mandatory 10-day quarantine for anyone coming in from overseas and so the trip that uh we we hired a tour company music celebrations to arrange all of the details for the trip for us so the trip itself is supposed to be 14 days and so to add 10 more days onto that we don't know if logistically or financially that's going to be feasible so we're going to make the call on that uh based on you know current conditions and quarantine and travel restrictions uh, mid to late January. If if we are not able to go to South Korea, uh, Music Celebrations has assured us that uh, they will arrange something else for us domestically. So we will we'll definitely tour somewhere this summer, if not Korea, somewhere in the states where you know we're we don't have to be concerned about borders closing and and that sort of thing. So not sure where that will be yet, but we, we will tour somewhere this summer. Maybe maybe pennies and gap. Maybe so. Maybe I should use my my connections to to book us some performances over there. Play your strengths, Kim. Play your That's strengths. Right. There you go. All right. Well, Jonathan Ledger, Emory and Henry Class of 2004, Artistic Director for the Texas Boys Choir, a 76-year-old choir in Fort Worth, Texas. We are so proud of what you're doing and so grateful that you would spend some time telling us about it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And as luck would have it, we have just a couple of minutes left here at the end of our time together where we can enjoy listening to some of the Texas Boys Choir of Fort Worth, Texas, under the direction of Jonathan Ledger, Emory and Henry, class of 2004. Enjoy Ave Maria. And thank you all for listening to WEHC. Stick around for all that comes next. The Voice of Southwest Virginia 90.7 is a great station because you're here with us. Have a great day.